Hi everybody, this is Jim Barton and Reverend Abigail Conley and welcome to another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Um, today we are going to talk about another character in scripture and this time it's going to be uh, King David. So just to kind of put you in context, the first humans are um, Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam and Eve gets us to Noah and Noah's wife. Is Noah's wife named? Noah's wife is not named. Not named, okay. Then we get then we get to Abraham and Sarah. Then you know and the other patriarchs. So that's gonna be Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and Rachel and Leah. Joseph, the favorite son, gets them into Egypt. Then Moses takes them out of Egypt. That's who we talked to last time. And then that sort of with some other heroes in between brings us to the story of David. So Abby, what do we know about the house of David as compared to those other characters I was just talking about? So, from a historical critical perspective of what can actually be determined, there was at least a house of David. So all of these legends about King David exist because there was at least this memory of this great patriarch in a very tangible way. That, hey, here are descendants. Now, that leaves the question if there ever actually was a King David. Who knows? But there was a house of David. And I think one of the interesting things we talked about, um, we were going to talk about is, is, is their origin stories, and then we're going to talk about uh, a couple of uh, characters that he interacted with. So first of the origin story, um, kind of like DC Comics or Marvel Comics, when they, a lot of these, some of these heroes, they can't really decide about what their origin story is. We actually have three origin stories for David. The first one, you've got um, Samuel is unhappy with the first king, who was Saul. Mm -hmm. Didn't work out. Right. So God made a mistake. That's interesting. Um, Samuel just goes to Jesse and says, bring me all your kids. And then it's like sort of like the scene in Cinderella where the prince is trying to find the shoe that fits. None of the first kids work. And he said, well, there must be somebody else. God tells me you haven't given me the right one yet. And then they call David the youngest in from the fields. And then he gets anointed. Right. And it, it's worth noting that this is where, you know, David's the cute one. Like, he's short. But he's ruddy and and yes. handsome, so like you know, he's very kingly. Tom Cruise, right? So uh, yes, that's right. Then the second story is um, Saul is having like nightmares and headaches and needs somebody to soothe his spirit, and they say, hey, there's this um, shepherd who is really good with a lute or a lyre or whatever. I don't remember which, and that's David. And then David comes in and is such a good poet and such a good uh, musician that he becomes the armor bearer and sort of assistant to the king. Also, not super manly, right? I mean, like, sort of his artistic side is what his right. origin story there. And then the last one is the one we all know, which is killing Goliath. But what's interesting is the Goliath story starts off as if Saul doesn't know who David is. Right. Which There's is, just this kid out in the yeah. field who, like, they have the Philistine who they're trying to fight against, and he comes in and he's like, oh, yeah, and he... Takes some stones and a sling and kills the giant. And kills the giant. And then and Saul's like, who is this guy? Which is weird because in the previous two stories, it seems like it. So we just introduced David three times in a row in the story. So that is what it is. Alright, so that's where he comes from. There's lots of stories about David. We're gonna try and do this in ten minutes. The next person we want to talk about is Jonathan. So um, I'm gonna drink my Bloody Mary a little bit here and let you give a primer on Jonathan and whether or not they were gay. 
How about that, just off the top? So Jonathan was Saul's son. So in this version where David is the armor bearer, then they're kind of living in the palace together. So you get um, the narrative of them both as kind of brothers, but then we as modern people say, whoa, there might be more here. Because there's um, enough jealousy that David is almost killed over um, his relationship with the king and with Jonathan there. And then, um, as things progress and David is becoming king, then it becomes clear that there's something going on there. So there's a scripture that says, there's a love between Jonathan and David surpassing that of a woman. And, and it's actually David who says that. Right. right. He says, I loved you more than I loved a woman. Right. And then there's a couple of other passages we were talking about where they make a vow to each other. Mm -hmm. It's a vow of friendship. I don't know if it's a quota quotations friendship or friendship. Right, but they use the word covenant, which isn't insignificant right. in the Bible. Right. That this is something that is long-lasting and long-standing. And then the other thing that I think is worth noting is after there's this huge battle and a lot of people have died, David takes in Jonathan's son Mephibosheth, um, who has what we would probably call a club foot, but something deformed until he couldn't go into battle and takes him in as part of his household. And I don't think that should be taken lightly either, just when we look at the depth of this relationship. Right, there's an intimacy there, a, a powerful relationship. And we talked about, before we, we, we start recording that, you know, we do think it's possible that this sort of story could have moved forward, that there could have been a real historical foundation for this, and people could have remembered the way David and Jonathan were with each other in the way David treated Jonathan's son. We do want to caution this because we sort of project things back, right? We sort of project, well, in two directions. One, you know, we know there's a lot of uh, gay people in the world, and so it seems like there ought to be some gay people in the Bible. And so we sort of project that, that notion back onto Scripture. May, that may or may not be good. The other thing is, you mentioned that there's a real discomfort with men and intimacy with other men in our modern society. Right. There's, we don't make space for men to touch each other in any significant way. We don't make space for men to have... So when Jonathan takes off all of his clothes, literally, and gives them to David... Right. That seemed a little extra intimate to me, but you made a good point that, well, oh, all right, but I mean, that's... Right. You can only be naked in a locker room right. now and those sorts right. of things. Very different for women, who is like, oh, we're going shopping. Oh, just just give me that. It's fine. Right, and, right. like, dorm rules were very much like, oh, you know, whatever. Like, walk in, grab something in the shower. And a very non-sexual, it's just, it's okay to be together in this way. So anytime we're dealing with these things, we have to caution on projecting our own either positive or negative viewpoints onto the scripture. All right, so the last person I want us to talk about is Bathsheba. So Bathsheba really plays two important roles in the in the story of David. First, he sees her bathing um, and decides that she looks really nice and he wants to have sex with her. He commands her to come to the palace. She doesn't want to be there with him and he has sex with her. That's called rape. Right. Right? That's There's no two ways around that. He tries to cover up the rape by having her husband come back from battle and trying to get him to go sleep with her so that in case there's a child, it'll be figured out. Um, her husband refuses to do that, to sleep with her because his men are in battle or some nonsense. And so instead, then David has him put on the front line and killed. Right. So then David murders someone to cover up his rape. Mm -hmm. um, 
she has a child, that child dies as punishment for David, uh, to punish David, but then she has another child who's Solomon. So she starts her story as a, as a rape victim, as somebody who has, does not have a lot, has no sort of ability to sort of control her destiny or what's going on with her. But then what happens after? I'll let you tell the second story of her. So, um, the, the first story, I think it's also worth noting that Samuel, God's prophet, is who comes to David and tells him the story of a lamb, or Nathan, sorry. Nathan, yeah, yeah. Comes to him and tells him the story of a lamb where, hey, this guy had a whole flock and he went and killed because he wanted this one. Right. So, it's a very interesting... And then, and then David gets mad and says, who is this bastard? Right. Right? Bring him to me and I'll take care of him. And then Dave, and then Nathan has a zing. Right, it's you. <laughs> Zinga. Right. You are the one who did this. In this, you know, right. kind of metaphorical thing that is Pretty like on the nose parable, by the way. Right. No points for David being smart in this story. Right. So I think it's both interesting that when Nathan comes in, he sides with the victim. Yes. He also does not challenge the notion of women as property. He tells a story about another property That's violation. True. That's true. Um. So. That's its own sort of problem for us right. to wrestle with. Right. And then when Bathsheba, you know, they had the second son becomes king, this is kind of her doing. Right. Because who was his favorite wife? Right. Wasn't Abigail his favorite wife? Abigail was kind of his favorite wife. It kind of changes based on the okay. story, because this is one that you get a whole bunch of stories. So right. Michael, he really loved, oh, that's right. and that's then right. she got ticked at him for reasons, and she fell out of his favor. Abigail was the really smart one who was like, oh, there's this extortionist. Maybe I should be nice to him. So yeah. like, I end up his wife instead of dead in <laughs> right. whatever else happens. So. Bathsheba ends up there, I think, a lot because of his guilt. Yeah. Um, but she uses her position to maneuver her son to be the king. Mm -hmm. It's not a given that Samuel, I mean, that's, that, that Solomon will be the king. That's something that she has to use sort of through palace entry to make happen. Right. And so I just think that's a really interesting story of the scripture of this person who goes from rape victim to kingmaker in this super old uh, biblical story. Yeah. Um, and the, the even intriguing part is Solomon becomes like the king that is known. And we've talked about that before. Right. The king that people remember, the king that gets to build the palace, all of these things. The most wise. Right. Several books. How many books? Uh, three books, right? Ecclesiastes, yeah. uh, Song of Song Songs. Songs, and uh, Proverbs. Yeah. All right. Well... I don't know. So David is an interesting character, and I think it's fascinating that we really start to move into this things of where these guys aren't pure heroes at all. Right. Like Moses isn't a pure hero either, and Abraham, Abraham is not perfect. But now we're starting to move into stories of like, this is really somebody who is flawed, who is deeply flawed, but still an agent of God. And right. And this is also the line of where we turn into things that have archaeological evidence that have something tied to the world that we can explore in some way. Right. And Solomon marks that. So it's a very different sort of, you get this break with the stories of old and the stories of the world we know in right. some way. Right. All right, well, very good. Uh, this has been a good conversation. And in, uh, until next time, cheers. <laughs>